This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffeehouse Shots. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. Across Europe, we're seeing talk of new restrictions. In the case of Austria, a lockdown has now been imposed. And could it be that this is a sign of things that are going to come to the UK? James, just to begin, can you talk us through how things are looking on the continent in the sense that Germany is considering a lockdown? There seem to be real nerves. Katie, I think you asked the right question. Is this going to end up coming to the UK? Boris Johnson likes to say that, you know, you can see these storm clouds gathering in Europe and that means there's a risk of it coming here. But if you talk to some of the COVID modellers, they will give you a slightly more optimistic explanation. They say essentially what we're seeing in Europe is the effects of waning immunity from the vaccines. And remember that the European vaccine programme ran a little bit later than the UK's. So essentially what you're seeing in Europe now is, do you remember a few weeks ago there was a surge in cases here and people were saying, oh, is the government going to have to introduce restrictions? What's going wrong with the booster programme? I think Europe is essentially at a similar place to that. Now, Austria has relatively low levels of vaccination. And I think the most striking thing is how quickly things have moved in Austria this week. It started off with a lockdown for the unvaccinated. That's now turned into a fire break lockdown for everyone. And they're also announcing, I think they are the first Western democracy to do this, they've also announcing compulsory COVID vaccinations now. You know, anyone who doesn't get vaccinated from February onwards will have to pay fines. If you won't pay the fines, you can end up facing prosecution. And that is a big departure. No one has gone down that route before, not, not for specific professions. You've seen that here with care home workers having to be vaccinated, but the whole population. Now, obviously, there are medical exemptions in Austria, but this is, a, this is, I think, is a fairly dramatic shift in the balance of power between the state and the individual. Fraser, why do you think Austria is taking this route? Is vaccine uptake worse in Austria compared to European neighbours? I mean, it's uh, something like 64% of Austrians are double jabbed. They're not actually a million miles away from America, but it's not. It doesn't come anywhere close to be able to claim herd immunity, but. What the problem is, is there is a massive COVID wave in Austria right now. They've been trying to sort of tighten the screw, having basic workplace vaccine mandates and doing other kinds of things to try to persuade people to to get vaccinated. But nothing the government does has been able to really increase this quite low figure of 64% for double jabbed. So if you look at the language the Austrian government is using, it's I don't know, it's very strange. It's like, look, we warned you guys, we put in your last warning, you wouldn't listen to us, now we're going to really up the ante. And there is some politics of this as well. The far-right parties are being blamed for being vaccine sceptics. But if you look at who isn't being vaccinated, disproportionately it's ethnic minorities. And so you're now getting into pretty difficult territory here. And meanwhile, of course, it's difficult to imagine over here because Britain's in a reasonable place with COVID. It's still a problem, but it's a containable problem. Our um, hospitalisation rates are less than a quarter of what they were in January. Right now, the highest COVID rates is amongst the age group between kids between the age of five and nine are the most likely to have COVID. The over 80s are least likely to have COVID. Now, given the respective risks of dying from the virus, that's exactly what you would want. So here it seems like it's relatively under control. In Sweden also it seems relatively under control. But in much of continental Europe, especially in Germany, well, Bavaria especially, and in Austria, there is a sense of panic that all of the, what they call the 3G and the 2G measures haven't been enough 
and it's time to reach for a coercion, something which even the Chinese government thought was a bridge too far. So you were about to test, really, the limits of government authority in a democracy, because the coercive steps that the Austrian government have taken so far didn't work. I'm struggling to see how this leap towards coercion is going to succeed while its previous vaccine mandates failed. And James, we know that governments such as the German government are looking nervously at their own rates. Do you think European neighbours are going to look at Austria and think uh, we might take a leaf out of their book? I think it all depends what happens to the vaccination rate in Austria. I think, do you remember after President Macron came up with a quite draconian system of vaccine passports to go to cafes, restaurants? You know, France got a big boost in vaccine uptake. That was amongst the under 30s, which rose from something like 50 to 90%. So France's problem was that the older, old people were having it, but the young people weren't. And what they found, because everybody's vaccination rate increases steadily over time, was that France's vaccine mandate really shrunk that gap a lot. So it was a massive increase. By the way, exact opposite to what happened in Scotland, where the vaccine passports haven't increased the uptake at all. So I think it all depends on how low a base you're starting from. Yeah. 63% is a pretty low base for Austria. No, no, but I think the perceived success of Macron's vaccine passports for cafes and restaurants led to lots of governments following suit. You know, do you remember that on the first day when all the restrictions were lifted, Boris Johnson held that rather odd press conference from isolation? when he said that, you know, you wouldn't be able to go to a nightclub unless you were double vaccinated come the autumn. Now, they backtracked from that position. But, you know, it was undoubtedly the, the success of the French approach which led to more people doing it. So if Austria's vaccination rate suddenly shoots up, I think you will see other countries considering it. But I still think that it's probably for most people to cross that Rubicon to mandatory vaccination for everyone, not, not just for healthcare workers, but for everyone, is probably a step too far. For most governments, like I think, unless this gets really out of control. But the thing is, James, I would have put this as being pretty much impossible about a year ago. And those who have been concerned about vaccine passports, this is exactly the argument, is a slippery slope. So now Austria has been the first European democracy to do it. If you look at what Marcus Soder is saying in Bavaria, he is no longer ruling out compulsory vaccination. That's quite a big step. We had been in a situation where Sebastian Kurz, until recently Austria's chancellor, was saying that there would absolutely not be another lockdown, that this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated, and that there wouldn't be compulsory vaccinations. He's had to eat his words. So you do see things changing a lot. Now, what unnerves me is, if you look at what's happening in, in our island, we're talking Great Britain, that you're getting vaccine mandates in Wales and in Scotland in the absence of any evidence that they actually help. So there is a sort of lever which politicians feel inclined to reach for. And even Sweden, actually, which I've held up as a great liberal example over the last year or so of this corona drama, is now going to bring in vaccine passports in the new year. So you do see governments almost feeling that we're doing this because we can. It's a tool. It's irresponsible not to use it. We're in a situation now where England is turning out to be one of the most liberal places in Europe. Other than the care home workers, nobody's been told no jab, no job. I mean, the NHS might be told that in Easter, but we'll see if they're really going to fire 100,000 NHS workers. We're quite light on restrictions. We're quite heavy on common sense now. So we've gone from a situation where England had the toughest lockdown regime in Europe by some margin into a situation where we're now a liberal outlier. And so far... This common sense approach is working in England. Now, again, I could be eating my words here, but I think that in Sajid Javid, Steve Barclay and Rishi Sunak, you've got three people whose inclination is towards 
keeping this common sense balance, who will not be itching to pull the vaccine passport lever. So I think we've got a reasonable chance of keeping things as they are in this country, unless we see a massive escalation. One thing we know about COVID, by the way, is you can never really rule anything out. It has not lost its capacity to surprise us. James, do you agree with that when Uh, it comes to the government approach? I think the government will be very loath to impose more restrictions. I thought, I mean, it's a little thing, but I thought it was very telling that David Frost in his Lisbon speech cited the Westminster government's different attitude to COVID restrictions as being part of a kind of philosophical difference about the application of caution in policymaking. And also, I think, you know, the other cynical reason I would say is Boris Johnson is not in the best odour with his own parliamentary party right now. If he was to try and get them to vote through vaccine passports, he would have to almost certainly rely on Labour votes to do so. And Labour have had shifting positions on whether they agree or accept the need for vaccine passports or not. I think there's a very interesting question here on, you know, what measures you use, what is effective. And I mean, mean, there is quite an interesting experiment essentially going on in the UK at the moment with Scotland and Wales and Northern Ireland pursuing slightly different policies to England. And that, I think, gives you a sense of it. I mean, one of the big challenges coming is the weather is going to get colder next week. And that means more people will socialise inside and more people, people will be more reluctant to open the window and let the fresh air in. Not you, though. No, I can see that from the look on your, your face, Katie, that you're not particularly looking forward to my desire to open the window as the temperature drops even further. But James has got his common sense solution there, Katie. He wears this sort of duvet thing around him. So what's it's it called? called a gilet. <laughs> right. And has the window open. That's common sense, right? Just for, to bring listeners up to date briefly on this podcast, James Seif has a habit of opening all the windows before several hour long meetings. And then actually often you don't sit next to the open window, you let someone else. Right, but, he, but if, if you dress warm, put on a jumper, as anybody from the Highlands knows, that's, there's nothing wrong in just, you know, no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. From Aberdeen, okay. <laughs> no, and so I think that that's the kind of next challenge to go through. And the other question is, you know, the booster shot programme, you know, the UK, that's now going to over 40s next. I think ultimately everyone is going to end up getting a booster. And I think that we are looking at a world where for the foreseeable future, everyone every winter is going to have to get a booster shot now. I mean, the question is, how much are those booster shots going to be required for things like international travel? I think we are probably looking for quite some time at a moment where if you want to go abroad with confidence and not have a kind of limit on where on the countries that you can choose to go to, you are probably going to have to have had your booster shot. I think everyone is moving towards, if you look at all these European countries that have are making heavy use of vaccine passports, they are beginning to move towards adding booster shots to the list of the definition of what being fully vaccinated means. I think Britain is seeing the dividend from our high vaccine uptake. I mean, I think we could have made a lot more of our head start in this race. But as things stand, we're a pretty high vaccinated country. Um, our levels of immunity now are, if you look at the ONS figures, which we publish on the Spectator website, it's, it's showing um, something like 89% of us are now antibody positive. This is not a country that should be living in fear of a fourth wave. And I think that's feeding through into policy. So this is, you know, the government's getting a lot of hassle right now for deserved reasons. But one thing it has got right is the supply of vaccines that work, the delivery of these vaccines and the successful uptake of that vaccines. That's why all of us are looking to a fairly standard Christmas, where in Bavaria they're cancelling the Christmas markets in Austria, they're locking down and God knows what's going to be happening in Czech, in Belgium, in Croatia, in Slovakia and Slovenia, these places where I've got far worse COVID problems. So um, I don't think the government will get any particular credit 
for us having a normal Christmas. But I think it's worth reflecting that it didn't have to be this way. We have made lots of good progress in the vaccination and having a reasonably normal Christmas is a result of that. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening. And while we have you here, I have a new episode of Women with Balls out this week with Sarah Vine, the Daily Mail columnist. To check that out, go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash balls or can be found on all good podcast apps. <laughs>